Why is it doing this? Why does it hate? Why is it so mean? And it's, I was thinking about that earlier. It's really hard to believe that we've been doing this for nine episodes. Um, as always, I am Eric from Hey Internet. Eric here. And I am here with the barf to my lone star, my buddy friends. And we've got a good one. You know, we, I say that a lot, but we really got a good one uh, today. We've been planning on this one for a while. But before we get to the goods, uh, our last episode was this Friday the 13th uh, series spectacular where we basically talked Halloween eight, uh, 2018. But we did we did occasionally talk the Friday the 13th series. And Frenzy here pretty much told us how much he hated the 2009 remake. And I believe it was off camera. I told Frenzy to sit down, give it another shot, because I think you'd only seen it once since theaters. Yes. And we were going to open up the episode before we get to the meat of it. We were going to just open up the episode with a short and sweet frenzy, rewatches it, maybe changes his mind. Did you change your mind on the 2009 Friday the 13th remake? Yes, I did. Ooh. I, re I really did. Let me first state that um, I might have, it might have been on DVD or something. There's no way I sat through the whole thing on DVD, though. So this okay. is like the first time that I've seen it the second time mm -hmm. in 10 years. And I really have a slight change of opinion now. It's actually worse than I remember. <laughs> and I'm going to go I'm going to go out on a limb here. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say this might be one of the worst horror movies I've ever seen. In sure? all honesty, in all honesty. Wow. And we don't have to do a deep dive on it, but right. I do not acknowledge this as a chapter of Friday the 13th in any way, shape, or form. Um, I give a little more credit to the guy who plays, um, I'm not going to say he's Jason, I'm going to say mm -hmm. generic slasher guy in a, okay. in a familiar mask. Um, you know what, because our little quote-unquote air quote argument was you hated it i let it slide but the big our big disagreement was basically i loved Derek mears as jason you fucking hated him you're he's not as bad this go around no no okay it, it, but i did mention and this this is the most this is the thing the reason i hate dislike the movie i'm like I'm never going to watch that again. I'm not going to go on tangents telling people to avoid it. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, we have some listeners who one person introduced the Friday the 13th series to their significant other with this movie. Mm -hmm. Hey, you prob she probably did that because she has some deep connection with the 2009 version. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd be naive to think that younger generations aren't going to be this is not going to be their you know initiation into horror movies things like that right people young people aren't going to put down their cell phone and watch the 1980 friday the 13th 
like most of them aren't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, let's yeah. be let's be fair, guys. Let's start from the beginning with an open mind. No one talk. You know, like <laughs> like treat it like a horror movie. That's not happening, right? So, in all fairness, and you know, again, guy... who, who are we to who really just all jokes aside, like me and you, who are we to tell anybody what they shouldn't and shouldn't like? If they knew like our taste in films, a lot of our stuff would be considered pretty fucking stupid to oh, anyone else. Man. Yeah, and it's like I've said this many times before, and it's it's on opposite ends of the spectrum too. It's mm. like I can't tell you something pretentious to watch because you'll you'll get offended, and if I try to you know recommend something really trashy to watch, like uh, I'm just gonna go say it, Hamburger the Motion Picture. Mm-hmm. then you'll probably have no, normal people are they ride the middle they yeah. ride the line between both ends of the spectrum of uh what they find offensive and stuff so i'm not the one thing i want to emphasize with this podcast what we're doing is not telling people what to think right that is what everyone else is for if you want mm-hmm. that's what these <laughs> horrible people with these huge platforms like you know there's no cisco and ebert anymore it's like People get their movie opinions from YouTube. Yeah. Now, I don't want to do that. I want to tell you what I think and give you, like, you know, if the people that line up with either you or I will, you know, we'll, we drop lots of references and things. You might go check it out. Mm-hmm. But as far as telling people what to think, no. I I honestly, if, if you're an old school fan of Friday the 13th, and for whatever reason you haven't seen the, the newer one, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But as far as me liking it, no, there is absolutely, absolutely nothing. And I was trying desperately. I mm-hmm. mean, I might, the one thing, I think it was an accident too. Oh, great. Was, you know, we could break this down. I could go, I mean, it's actually, it's so bad that it's actually kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I had all these flashbacks of I remember sitting in the theater with a bunch of horror fans like pumped and you know the title title card comes up 25 minutes into the movie mm-hmm. so it's like they were thinking you know like in Scream they kill the main star right in the beginning like the first five minutes like right. we're gonna kill all of them in the first 25 minutes and then it cuts immediately to this next group of people that are even hotter like ridiculously hot and i you want them to all die but at the same time and you know you were right about something but to be fair i've only seen this one time there is one chick at Mm -hmm. the end of the movie that is actually hot and does have real tits is it the one that's fucking the jock the asshole boyfriend it's obviously the one that's fucking the jock because it's (laughs) like i was so upset and and um just disgusted when I first saw it in the theater that mm-hmm. I didn't even get to enjoy that. Like I'm, oh, I now no. seeing it now, it's like, Oh, that's the iconic sex scene. That's like the re- reason people like this movie. Like, even if you don't like it, people are going to, they're going to stomach it to get to this hardcore titty sex mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. And you're totally right about that. They're real. And I verified it. All right. boy. I went to the Mr. Boobies or whatever.com. All right. So in, 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 in it's short but sweet, but Frenzy still hates it. But I won him over with Derek Mir, so I'm going to consider that a victory <laughs> nonetheless. Sure, sure. You got to take what you can get. 
Um, so with oh. that, we're going to go to um, uh, our main focus tonight. And I'm going to have uh, have friends be uh, the leader in this one. Uh, we're talking It Chapter 2. And I know uh, you've been chopping at the bit. Um, I basically know what you're going to say about this. To my knowledge, you're completely in the dark about me. You haven't watched the review I put up. Nope. And I think the only thing I've told you is I liked it better than Endgame. So that's not saying much. <laughs> the floor is yours, my friend. Okay. Well, at this moment, there's just two heads on the screen or two voices if you're listening to the podcast. But what we're going to do is I'm going to quickly connect one of my oldest friends in the world who's also huge Stephen King specifically it fan and we're going to get into it this other bearded gentleman um i don't know what position he is to us two because no one knows <laughs> hopefully he's in the middle um but his name's tim he's one of my oldest friends in the whole world and probably we're all we're neck to neck with uh our obsession with it maybe yeah. tim Maybe, Tim, a little bit more. Did you ever read the book? Yes. Okay, you did read it. Okay, that's good. Well, anyway, what's up, guys? Yeah, me personally, I have never read the book. So the only thing, Chapter 2, when going into Chapter 2 that I had to base off of was the miniseries and Chapter 1. The miniseries? Yeah. I know the big, important things that have happened in the book. Cool. And he'll get to it eventually. He's reading them in order. Yeah. Which is insane. Chronological yeah. order? Or in order? Uh, public, yeah, right, publication right. order. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is crazy. Which one are you on now? Um, I just finished Dance Macabre. I did all the Bachman stuff first, just to get yeah. it out of the way, because there's not that many. Right. And then I started with Carrie. Mm -hmm. I just finished Dance Macabre. Next up is Cujo. So I still got a little ways to get to it, but... Yeah, yeah, you got a ways to go. But after reading The Stand and all that stuff, I'm going to zoom through Cujo and the rest pretty quick. Now you got to read Cujo. Okay. Yeah, but when you get to it, you're fucked. <laughs> oh, I, I bet. I read it, it on my is... phone. I know the you did. Thing. I read it on my phone at night laying in bed. I actually liked it. I liked it that way. Yeah, Ooh. that might be better. I read it um, the old-fashioned way, and it was like uh, every night for six months having a giant black dildo rammed up my ass <laughs> well they've got an audiobook now and i think Stephen weber reads it so i want to check that out oh yeah that it's just a transfer from the cassette he reads a bunch of them i have it to like go to sleep to but i can't i can't sit and listen for hours to an audiobook yeah yeah it's i got like the ASMR. Uh, i got the old four pound you know four or five pound hardcover so that's what i'm going with oh the hard copy damn yeah you bastard <laughs> so lucky i got the hardcover of Dreamcatcher sitting over here i was hoping uh i was hoping that i could find an it copy but i don't have one laying around i just have this bad boy Ooh, <laughs> i like that that's unbelievable uh they, they're doing all these products now i saw a girl today this little high school goth chick with the balloons all over his shirt and it says you'll float too they've got this stuff everywhere Look yeah. at that on the back. Oh, I love that on the back. Yeah, yeah that's that, pretty cool, right? Well, where'd you get it? Walmart. Okay. This is, look, this is my Walmart it merchandise. 
Not as cool. <laughs> I don't like, know, I like it. it. It's that, see the it? Yeah. yeah. Like my... <laughs> the drinking cup. Hell yes. <laughs> Both Tim Curry, Pennywise. No, no, Bill Sarsgaard. Fuck talking about the movie. Let's just keep showing merch. <laughs> we need a sponsor, right? Yeah. Yeah, and Stephen King doesn't. So come on, Walmart. We're waiting for that check. I was going to show you. I didn't just read the book. Yes. This is uh, amazing. Oh, okay. This is my um, no skipping pages, uh, none of that shit. Annotated. Wow. And it was fu- it was brutal. And I was telling Eric last time, I think half of half of this should be cut. Yeah. About mm-hmm. five 500 pages. If it was 500 pages left, like, you know, I have notes just forever. Like right here, it says, so bad, worst ever. <laughs> just pages and pages of things um, scratched out. No, man, that's the that's the good stuff. He was he was high on cocaine the whole time. He was wasted while he was drunk. He 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 likes to brag about it in one of his books about how much beer he was drinking. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, man, you drank a lot of beer, like no big deal. And he was like doing all his blow, and he was fucked up, and he was just going at it. That's the that's the primo stuff. Yeah, but there's a difference. There's the drugged out stuff in the book that's interesting and fun because he's high and then there's just the rambling nonsense that's just yeah yeah you know yeah it's it's a it's usually like a monster related thing like he'll have like uh, a giant bird attacking mike (laughs) and and then it's just 30 pages of him running from it and yeah and then it always just goes away yeah it just it just leaves which is really interesting right like how it works like, I guess it's trying to get him more scared so it can eat it, but it never does. Right. Right. No. It does make sense. No. Well, let's start, Eric. General impressions. What would you think about It Chapter 2? Oh, general? More creative than Chapter 1? My complaints, although there are some, other than maybe... Two would be nitpicky, and I liked it better than chapter one. You know, that's, for, that's for me, my general consensus. To be perfectly honest, uh, I don't know. I, I I don't know what I think. I saw it. Uh, I not I I know that I liked it, mm-hmm. but uh, the second time, the first time I saw it, it was just insanity nonstop. Mm-hmm. It's too much to take in. And then the second time, um, unlike the first movie, which I think there's a huge difference between this one and the first one, obviously. The mm-hmm. second time, it was just, that was it for me. And it wasn't a negative thing. It was just like, it was like holding my mom's hand as she died. Does that make any sense? No. That hasn't no. happened, but that's what it <laughs> felt like. <laughs> I can imagine. It was just like... Um, I'm kind of done with this machete mm-hmm. it thing. Oh yeah, no, yeah, I definitely get that for it, sure. It was yeah. it was a fun. I loved it. Yeah, but now it's time to get back to the miniseries. Well, gotta, it's, it's time right, to get back to the supercut. The supercut is coming. So, yeah. right, am I wrong about that? The he's going to do a whole entire like three hour version 
where both of the movies are cut together and you can watch it like that, right? I've got some bad news for both of you. Oh, no. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I just saw an interview, a real live interview with him talking into the camera. Um, because now they, they're allowed to talk about the movie now that it's been out. Yeah. And he's going on to do The Flash. But before he does that, we are not getting a non-linear supercut. Dang. Because uh, he doesn't have time and he doesn't want to do that anyway. He's, he doesn't want to do a Godfather two thing is what he said it mm-hmm. really seemed like it was made to be put together into a supercut though i know yeah. but that what's happening is we're gonna get a slightly extended part one and a four hour part two okay more same uh, part two. i think that's an, that's an even trade that's, yeah that's okay and, and the weirdest thing is though in the same interview you can look it up i think he did it for fandango mm-hmm. he also says he's going to shoot two more scenes He's getting everyone back together one more time to wow. film two more scenes. I don't know. That's insane. All right. Okay. No supercut, but uh, four hour part two, I think, is that's just fine. Right? Right. With two <laughs> new scenes that they filmed. I mean, that's un- unprecedented. <laughs> that's a yeah. lot. Who does that? Yeah, that's a lot. Not even Tarantino does that. Yeah, right. Well, I was thinking but, he, he made the first one. And it was the most successful movie ever. Why couldn't he film those two scenes when he was making the sequel? You nope. know? They still had him by the balls. Mm-mm. So that's weird. But like I was saying about letting my mom die. <laughs> um, it's just this weird kind of beautiful thing that happened. But it wasn't. I, I do like it. And there's no way we can talk about two without talking about one. But I don't think that they connect really for me. as much as that's it literally what the whole movie's about is the kids becoming adults um like just like in every way possible like tonally and the storytelling and everything it's just like it does not connect to me they're like two completely different uh movies but well i'll explain more we'll talk about that later what do you think tim uh general impressions were definitely with you Eric, I, I enjoyed it a lot more than the first one. But then again, I I was I knew it was coming. I like sort of I was already ready for the way it was gonna look, feel. And so I leaned into that pretty hard. And not only that, I think I told you on the phone afterwards that I the audience was just they we went and saw it very early on in the after it was released. The audience was just so riled up and they were like mm-hmm. get it for me. We were these girls are behind me, and once we get further into the discussion, I'll tell you more about what they said during the movie. But their commentary was like primo, just like really making it great. And That's cool. I really had a, a much better time with this one. Leaned into it harder, had a little more fun with it. Didn't get as wasn't as disappointed with all the changes. I like all the stuff they added. Mm-hmm. I, I like the new uh, scenes with the clown and stuff that aren't in the book or the miniseries. I like I liked how they sort of brought it the whole thing with after we we went our separate ways that summer, all these other things happened. I've heard people bitching about that. It's like mm-hmm. why? That was a perfect plot mm-hmm. device to me to go and have new new little pennywise adventures, which is all I mean, that's what you're there to see. And that and it was just nonstop insanity from beginning to end. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I was like, when we, I mean, my, I was buzzing when we were out. It was crazy. I felt crazy when it was over. It was over. And I'm just, I'm just going to throw this in real quick. Um, me and Frenzy, we have no problem with spoilers. So just so oh, you know, yeah, something yeah, that's you great, specifically want to talk about. Absolutely. That's what this is for. Well. Cause, cause I, Frenzy, even you've said it yourself. Um, if you're worried about spoilers, why the fuck are you why watching are you a specific I, I, movie, right? Yeah, no, I've probably said fuck them. Yeah. Because you, you deserve it. Like, yeah. I, have no, I have no patience for that. Although, as as a huge loser, I have been so desperate for content that I've sat around and watched movie reviews for movies I haven't seen yet, just because mm -hmm. I'm so lonely and desperate to hear some people talk to me. So, but anyway, no, yeah, that's that's a. If you're watching, <laughs> you, should, you should know what's going on. And besides, we all know how it ends anyway. Mm -hmm. It's a giant fucking spider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm so I remember. With this one, I was sitting in the theater thinking. I mean, I wasn't dwelling on it, but when it when they reveal was the spider, mm -hmm. yeah, I was thinking like, oh, they really did it. And at the same time, I was like, what did I expect? Right. Why would I expect something different? But and they were setting it up the whole time. They kept making jokes about uh, Bill's endings. Yeah. Everybody kept making jokes about how no one likes Bill Denbro's endings. Which I thought that was really clever. Oh, and that's great. Set it up that way. That's and fantastic. The, the cavalcade at the end with the clown spider head just stabbing. I mean, you're just like, what the fuck am I looking at? And then finally, when his face was deflating into that <laughs> thing, his face is deflating into the into the cave or whatever. Those gr these girls behind me who are just killing me the whole time with their commentary. They go. Oh my God, this is terrible. <laughs> that was like, yes, I'm having the best time. Now, 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 me personally, I knew the spider was coming because how else are they going to fucking end it? Right? Right. Everyone's expecting the spider. I liked the mixture of the Pennywise top half with the spider bottom. I thought it looked, honestly, I thought it looked fun. It looked cool. Um, the special effects were really, really good. But when you're, but then you're talking about when he started shrinking and everything. Yeah. Um, I, I personally didn't like the way he looked, and I was talking to my friend about it. He and he was spot on. Now that I think of it, they kind of turned Pennywise into uh, the Queen of Hearts from Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. The yeah, way his head was yeah, yeah. That's she did have that feel. Yeah. Man, but, you're totally right. It looked like a Tim Burton kind of a thing. Yeah. But again, I, I personally love the way the spider looked. I thought it worked great. Um, that whole, what, last maybe 30 minutes of since when Pennywise is a spider up until the Queen of Hearts, I guess, yeah. is just so good, so intense, um, so much fun, yeah. creative. And then, then that's, like I said, that's one of my, my pluses in Chapter 2 is I just love the creativity in this one. Um, yeah. Like, we're, we're going to jump around here. Um, the scene with the refrigerator when it's um, Stan's head falls out oh, and it yeah. turns into the creature from like the thing and then Bill Hader even does the you gotta be fucking kidding me line that's straight from the thing right yeah yeah. gotta be a and, thing Chris. and I just thought just that whole scene was just so creative and I loved how they made um, Eddie afraid to help because that that was a, that was something I didn't see coming yeah. and then they're 
you know, Bill, I think it's Bill, like gets in his face about it. Um, and then I love, I love, we get to see, uh, we finally get to see the Paul Bunyan statue. Yeah. Because I didn't realize it. Me and my wife were watching chapter one the night before. In chapter one, you don't get to see how Richie is terrorized. Right. At all. Right. You just find out that he's scared of clowns. You know, uh, Stan's scared of, you know, the painting of the woman, uh, Beverly, the blood. You got Bill and Georgie and so on. But you never see what happened to Richie. You finally get to see why Richie was so damn terrified. And I, I love that scene as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it. I think in the book it is Wolfman, just like it is in the miniseries. I could be wrong. But that's like the weakest scene in the miniseries, too, is when he's Wolfman. Except when he turns around and it's Tim Curry again, and then all of a sudden it's it's terrifying again. Mm-hmm. Tim Curry, yeah. and it's so clear that he's not there with the kids. The way the scenes are cut in the miniseries, yeah. like it's just so clear that they only had him for a certain amount of time, you know. And so that that scene is like, you know, obviously just a huge joke in the original, but oh, whatever, I still love it. But yeah, I think I think that's the Paul Bunyan thing happens in the book, but does the Wolfman thing not also? I don't remember. No, the wolf thing it does. The Paul Bunyan, I thought that happened to him when he when he's older. Um, it, because they took the the thing with him, the Pennywise on the on top of Paul Bunyan and the secret stuff that they made up. The Paul Bunyan attacks them, I think, when he's an adult. Right. That's what happened. Like. I went to I meant to go see it again today, so it was fresh in my mind. But my my chauffeur was being wishy washy, so I couldn't I couldn't go see it again today. So I'm trying to remember the the movie and the book and the miniseries. They get they get all mixed up. There's so much story. Well, let me just make two quick points. Mm-hmm. The uh, about the ending and the the Paul Bunyan thing. The ending. Yeah, the end here. The end with the the clown spider. I just mm-hmm. accepted it. Does, yeah. You know it, that's what it is. That's what it is. Uh, that doesn't. I don't really give two shits. But. One of my favorite things was the Manny Pennywise thing that you guys were just talking about. I love that. I love the Manny Pennywise. Because Many the, difference, the difference between that and the, the Queen of Hearts thing, mm-hmm. other, than, other than that's just a bad movie, is that even when he started to shrink, they actually built a real... It's all real. Like, it's not just know, CG. Yeah. Like, they have his face in there. They're doing the old school... You know, it starts CG. But once mm-hmm. he gets super small and it's his little body and his little hands are doing this, yeah. and he's like, he's got a high pitched voice. I thought the way it looked and everything, uh, instead of just ripping a spider's heart out, uh, I thought that was incredibly clever. Mm-hmm. Um, and some, maybe just so stupid that I can't, I, there's no way I can think of something like that. But when I saw it with my, the second time with my nephew, as soon as he goes to put his, they, they start to rip his heart out. You know, he has a high pitched squeal. Mm-hmm. Pennywise, he's like, no, like yeah. that. And my nephew just went, ah! <laughs> just exploded with laughter. laughter. The entire theater laughed at that part as well. The and entire it, theater. It is funny, but when they cut back to Pennywise and he's choking on his own butt, blood and becoming like stone, it kind of was creepy to me. I thought I thought that was actually one of the few. Um, I really don't like the visuals in the series. That was one thing I was going to bring up. I don't like the art direction very much and the way the CG looked. And uh, but when his face was deflating into the stone, I was like, mm-hmm. I've never really seen that before. That no. kind of 
that was that was kind of interesting looking. But that by by that time, the audience was so wrought with emotions and laughing, yeah. and they had been scared, and then they were then they were into it, and then now they're just laughing, and they don't even know what's going on. I mean, it was like it was like being on drugs, you know what I mean? Without yeah. with, still being totally sober, it was one of those movies you watch. It's like kind of. Surf Nazis Must Die has kind of got this effect on me when I watch it, where you're just like, what the fuck? And by yeah. the time it's over, you're like, you're buzzed. And mm -hmm. so yeah, the theater, by the time it was face deflated into the stone, the whole theater was just, I mean, it was just like, ah, we're all just reacting together as one unit. Yeah, totally. And that's great. I, I just saw uh, Surf Nazis a couple years ago for Halloween. I loved it. I immediately wanted to buy the soundtrack, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was, um, I can't remember. So awesome. But quickly, real quick, just wanted to say, you know, what going in out, out of the first one, I still had my hopes with the second one because that's all I do is defend the first one, was mm -hmm. I thought that the, you know, because almost everything shot practical, but that CGI over the top of it, that's what they do. They, they glossed everything over. Like that. Yes. Everything has been CGI'd on top of practical effects, and... I thought it was because he had a really tiny budget. He's rushed. Yeah, they fired sure. the other people. You know, like he had a parameters. But when they made the second one, turns out that's just the way he wanted to do it. And, and that's why it was easier to lean into it. This movie was because it was you definitely got the feeling like this is what they wanted to do. It was just this crazy ass kind of version of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that this leads directly into the Paul Bunyan scene. What's so crazy about that scene is, okay, the statue comes to life. You know that's going to happen. Or you, you're hoping it happens because it's in the book and it's kind of... I, I, I like shit like that. Mm -hmm. That happens and it, the CG doesn't bother me. No. I'm like, okay, that was cool. But then what makes up for that is immediately on a dime, it cuts to the next Pennywise encounter. Yeah. It's, which is insane. It's two for one. It's like, okay, that was pretty cool. And then here comes my one of probably my my maybe my favorite Pennywise encounter in the whole What was the next one? The next one is Paul Bunyan with the balloons. Oh with the, oh okay. Well that uh, was yeah, that looked with he's flying through the air. I love trailer. That's obviously really cool. See the what the what I like is I love him flying through the air, but what's what makes that scene really cool for me is everyone behind Richie just freezes. And yep. stares up. That's that. That's like what is it? The cliches, the the icing on the cake, or whatever. It, yeah, it, that was perfect. Yeah, that really. Yeah, it was a nice touch. Mm. And it, kind of, it calls the back color. to the whole the, the, the color town, fades out. The town yeah, is all right. a part of it, you know, and so it calls back to that, and it actually works. Yeah, and it's. I think it's one of the only scenes that's not funny. Like, right, he's actually terrifying mm -hmm. in that moment. It was also compelling too, because I think they added the whole thing with Richie B. Gay or whatever. Yeah. Um, I thought in the book they implied that Eddie was gay, but I can't really remember. If, you know. Well, well, the thing is, I'm like I said, I've never read the book, and you know, there's this whole anti-gay thing that's going on with the movie now because of the the Adrian scene. But oh, they what? mentioned how that's a great the thing was handled well. Yeah. And they yeah. did mention in the book. After Eddie is killed, I think Richie kisses him goodbye. So yeah, they imply yeah. that maybe he, Richie actually was gay in the book. It just wasn't. It's really subtle. It's not. Yeah, it, it wasn't actually confirmed or however you would say it. 
He kisses oh. him on the cheek, and there's no hints at whatsoever. It's um, they even talked about it when they were making the movie, and the, these new interviews that came out after it was released. They're not saying he's gay. They're just leaving it kind of open. He's just it's like a a man love thing. Right. And that's, that's actually, you know, could be in a way more like touching, like, cause people really do have those kinds of relationships. Right. And then like when Pennywise is like, I know your secret, like that actually kind of, it was one of the few moments in part two where I was like, that's a little, that's kind of spooky. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. If it, if they weren't subtle, then it would just be kind of obnoxious and, and like, and plus like, no, who cares? Like being gay, it's 2016. It's not really that much right. of a anymore. Exactly. The amount, the the fact that they use restraint in that is kind of awesome. Sixteen in the movie. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, I did actually appreciate the restraint on that storyline. And I, we'll we'll get into this more uh, because I have to defend things. The same people. Okay, first of all, if you didn't like chapter one, why did you watch chapter two? Chapter two. <laughs> okay, like. That doesn't make any sense unless you're like a sadist. And the second mm -hmm. thing is, I've heard this a lot, people complaining about the opening, which to me is brilliant. It was mm -hmm. one of the best parts of the movie, for they sure. They actually <laughs> did something like that elevated the whole film to, a, even if just for a moment, what people don't understand this, tell me if I'm wrong, the gay bashing scene at the beginning. Not yeah. only is it, I only have one little small problem, and it's because of the book. Uh, after he's thrown down at the river, why the fuck did he not do the spider web of balloon strings? Oh, I thought it was that was the scene where the balloons were cutting through the air. Yes, talked about that before. That's your favorite thing. He didn't do that either. What? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I wanted to see when he looks up and there's a Pennywise is like a troll under the bridge and there's a spider yeah, web yeah. of balloon strings. That's like one of the only things that scares me in the book. But, there were a lot of moments like that where it was like, if you're going to go so close to the book, why not do it the way Stephen King wrote it? Because honestly, the way Stephen King wrote it was actually a little more creative and a little more interesting. Mm -hmm. That's why it gets paid the big bucks. I because well, we'll get into that too. There's there's a hundred things that he chose not to do, just for whatever reason, little mm -hmm. tiny things like that. But there were also things that they chose to do that were well to me, especially our. If you know, I guess I'll just talk about it. Like when they went, when they go to the Chinese restaurant, and hold on, hold on. Okay, hold on. look. So you're yeah. you're somebody who's seen the mini series, right? You've seen the mini series before. I'm saying anyone, the proverbially, we've all seen the mini series, and we know that one of the corniest scenes in the mini series, right, is the Chinese restaurant scene where all the stupid little props come out of the cookie, uh, the fortune cookies. <laughs> but it's so silly looking, and you're like okay, this is like the modern era. We're going to get like this cool new version of it. And then one of the very like first things that happens in the movie or like, like really close to the beginning is this, they just redid the Chinese. They did the whole thing just like it was in the miniseries and in the novel. And I, that was a, a, a signifier to me. Yeah. That was when the movie was telling me to let go, relax, mm -hmm. have fun. We're here. We're here for some dumb shit. No, exactly. And that was the scene that they, they did the screening. They re-released chapter one to, and uh, I went and saw it again and it, they did the whole Chinese, they did almost the whole Chinese scene as the bonus mm -hmm. before two came out. Okay. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, 
I guess it was I'm, I'm, thing to include to me I'm not, do an update, but once I saw that, I was like, okay, all bets are off. I'm not being, I, I didn't want to come off being negative or anything. I'm just honestly still in this weird gray area with these movies right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah. back to the opening gambit. That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Tell me if I'm wrong, but the reason they did the melon scene to open the movie was because they wanted to establish, again, something that people don't understand, that this movie is not, even though at the same time it has to be about the clown, because that's what this whole new universe is. They have to market Pennywise. That's all people care about. Right. That's the only reason this, you know, the movie's not about a clown. It's about us. It's about Derry, which yeah. is, the, the clown is Derry. Yeah. So I've, I've, right. I've heard a thousand people complaining about the gay bashing thing. I think it's a brilliant move to open the movie and say, hey, this, you know, the monster is us, not the fucking. And That's... no one, they, it's so simple, but no one's arguing back to these people. I don't... See, I've, I've said that, I've said that many, many times. King is great at showing that in a book full, of, in, a, in a world full of killer clowns and you know resurrected you know two-year-olds and dogs with rabies and the dark tower and all that shit the biggest monsters are the humans yeah we yeah. are the scariest things he has created yeah. in yeah. it alone okay you have and, and you know all the scary are you know you have the guys that are that basically beat adrian to death you have beverly's father you have the creepy possibly pedophile pharmacist you have all you Henry Bowers. The the worst things are us, and King does that so well. Starting from the you know from Carrie, the girls in Carrie, you know what they do to her. Those are high school girls, you know, and it just yeah. gets worse and worse. Um, and that's why I think that scene was great because it shows. Yeah, Pennywise is probably influencing them, but again, it shows that we're the monsters. Exactly. Precisely. Remember, is that yeah. sorry? Is that really that hard for people to understand? I mean, yes. I don't think so. Yes. Okay. Well, look, I've heard a little bit about that, but I don't, you know, typically go online and look at these kind of things because it would frustrate the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. I don't understand that. So, okay. So, in any movie where you portray something happening to someone, we're supposed to. Like, isn't it obvious that we're supposed to hate these guys who, who are, mm -hmm. who are yeah. bad? Isn't it clear that we're supposed to hate? Like, if you watch a Friday the 13th movie, you're supposed to be like, who would advocate killing teenagers with a machete like that? Who? Why are they advocating killing teenagers with It depends on which one you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you get my, you understand my point. Well, they're mm -hmm. triggered. It's a trigger without well, getting political. Well, it's a I trigger know, culture. I don't, know, I don't want to go into the whole, like, that whole, it's like people are being too sensitive. I mean, obviously they are, but it's like, mm -hmm. I think maybe it must be that the Adrian Mellon scene is so different from the rest of the story. And since it's not the kids and it's not the losers club, that maybe that, maybe that like confuses people a little bit. So they yes. think that. They think that for some reason the writer and the filmmakers are advocating for what the gay bashing dudes are doing. I just don't understand how it's not really obvious that you're supposed to be disgusted by these guys and you're yeah. supposed to feel sorry 
for Melon. And you put it, you put it perfectly, Eric. Like the monsters are us, and and mm -hmm. uh, and then he's a victim of dairy. Yeah. I mean, they say it right in the movie. He's like, we got to get out of this shit town. Well, the one thing we need to remember, and I've said this a thousand times, is they actually do get it. The people that matter. We're yeah. talking the people that have written blogs or done podcasts and complained on YouTube. We're talking about point zero 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 one of the population. A very loud minority, as they say. I mean, right. it's even it's minority is an overstatement. It's a handful of douchebags. Yeah. Well, that's like, a that's a really silly point. I think the only people who would really you, you you'd have to be intentionally disingenuous to sort of make that connection. And these people have got to be doing it for clicks. Either that, or they're just they're just they don't they're dumb. And the movie is confusing, so so maybe that's you know not entirely their fault. Well, while we're talking about this, just to jump into another thing, I just thought of is the um, I the the opening scene is proof. And there's a few other things. The scene under the bleachers. There's a few of these pretty genius moments that um, that separates Andy Machete from just your run-of-the-mill horror director or person, the guys that made Endgame. Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple nuggets in there that proves that he's not stupid and that there is an artist in there somewhere. In there somewhere. <laughs> right? I mean, I have to give him credit. He needs. He deserves more credit. Because it's like a titanic, that's not even the right word, undertaking to try to make mm -hmm. this into movies that would satisfy general audiences. Yeah. And, and then that, he that, somehow, that... the opening scene is brutal. Yes. It's not just they don't kill some gay, it's like fucking out of a, like a Mississippi burning or something. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, you're off. You were saying that the, the scene with the girl under the bleachers, that's personally one of my favorite scenes because. It's incredible. It, what it, it it took me back to the Georgie drainpipe scene because the way Pennywise is acting, I mean, <clears throat> I kind of said it in the video I did. Um, he's basically got a candy bar in his hand, getting her into his van. You know what I mean? Yeah. The way he 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 you know he's playing on the fact that you know she's got the birthmark, so you know I, I paint my face because people don't like the way I look, and then he's just playing on her emotions, and he's it that it was pure like I said pedophile kidnapper type of thing which is again sure it's a fucking clown creature doing this but you can picture someone at a baseball game or a yeah, softball game that was, yeah. doing that to her yeah and it's it's funny using the word realism in the fucking <laughs> it movie uh, i mean that's what makes it that's what makes it scary a lot of people were saying this movie wasn't scary and it really wasn't it was more creepy and uncomfortable but that scene i think I mean, I'm a father. That scene was scary to me. Right. Yeah. You know I know. Mean? Well, I mean, people talking about horror movies that not being scary, like, no shit. Like, yeah. like, how often are you actually scared by a horror movie? I think they leaned into the not scariness as much as I leaned into the second one. And that's why it was so much fun the second time around. It's because they know. They, they knew. It's, you know what I mean? They knew what they were. They were biting off more than they could chew, so why not just kind of have more fun with it than anything else? Mm -hmm. But um, Eric, you're absolutely right. That's definitely one of the best scenes. I thought, and when I was talking about all the new scenes they added, because um, to my knowledge that was brand new, right under the bleachers. Yes. Um, all the new scenes they added were mostly really great and like either either fun 
or like honestly good. Like, and that was, that was like an honestly good scene because you hit the nail on the head. It was like the slight realism of it. To me, mm-hmm. it was way better than the Georgie scene in the first it movie, the first of uh, this installment. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas in the miniseries, that first scene with Tim Curry and the drain, that's the iconic. I mean, that's what got everybody in. And it happened right at the beginning and it got everybody interested in that movie. And it's really terrifying. But for whatever reason, it doesn't really work the same in the in this version as, as far as I'm concerned. But that did. That is like the new Georgie scene. That's mm-hmm. like the new and you and you call it the birthmark thing. I mean, it was like they gave a fuck. It was like that must have been one of the first things they like thought of and then they put it aside and then the rest of this cavalcade, you know, happened. And they were like, Oh, we got that we got that bleacher scene coming. That's people are gonna like that. And he cries in it. Uh, he does the yeah. crying. So it was a little different. So it, it's always fun. Not, I'm not, Bill Sarsgaard, uh, Sarsgaard, Sarsgaard. Scar with a K. Fantastic. And his, his version of Pennywise to me, I think it's one for the books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope to see more in the future before we die. He was great. Uh, I like Bill Sarsgaard and his little Winnie the Pooh. Accent. I don't know if anybody picks yeah. that up. He's kind of doing yeah. the poo. He's doing poo bear. Yeah. But like, but it's not that he's one note. It's just that whenever he finally does that crying thing, you're like, oh, that's different. You know what I mean? And the fact that it's different from everything else he's been doing is like it gets you a little bit. It kind of it kind of chills you a little bit. It was cool. Yeah. And you just you don't get many of those in either one of them. Yeah, you yeah, you don't. So you have to really appreciate it. It's just like it's just the way it is. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, in the book, that's the thing is like he takes all these different forms. I mean, sometimes they're absolutely heinous. Like, I don't know if you guys or if you remember the baseball scene, which I always like to reference as like one of the worst throwaway scenes in the in the novel, which is like they're all playing baseball and uh the plates begin to levitate the baseball plates and spin around and oh the, yeah the plates start chasing the kids or something throwing themselves at the kids that's and then the big bird like you said with the mic scenes or whatever and it's like he he shows up in all these different ways in the book so when you're doing the movies obviously you gotta restrain that a little bit and so it ends up just being like clowning a kid clowning a kid clowning a kid and it's not that it's really one note, like I said, it's just like you got to be creative with the way you do it. Oh, and, and the thing is, you can go from him, like, the way he was in the bleacher scene with that kid to when he's in the fun house. Right. So, I was telling friends, you know, when we first saw the trailer, I didn't like, I, I call it the Scooby-Doo tongue, you know, when he's licking the window. No, was, but yeah. when I saw it, the full effect, when he's actually licking it and going and all the way up, up yeah. that was perfect. But then the best part was, is he's taunting Bill. So, you know, it just shows how different, like, because he smiles and then he just starts headbutting the glass and then more and more and more ferocious. And he's got that smile. It's just, you go from him being all sweet and innocent, quote unquote, with the girl with the birthmark to menacing and scary and just fucking with Bill. Like, Bill knows this kid's going to die. And Pennywise, he's like, he's like a cat with a mouse, you know, beating it around before. He eats it. 
And then I, I, I knew it was going to happen, but man, he, you see him kill children in this <laughs> and like he, 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 you see him, I think like open his mouth and actually chomp down on the girl. And then when the little kid in the funhouse kid, I mean, I think frenzy called it, you just get the big blood splatter on the, on the, on the mirror. And I thought it was fantastic. Those were both dream catcher kills, especially the girl under the bleachers. That was straight up dream catcher. <laughs> was it? Is that yeah. what we're calling dream catcher kills? Uh, that's what I just said. I love it. So that's what it is. Just it's all dream. it's all it's all one big universe, baby. Mr. Bob Gray, he's he's coming down from space or whatever. Up, you know. Look, there's more. There's more about the ending and things they didn't include in the movie when it comes to that whole uh, universe of like what it is and everything. And I was really surprised because they teased the turtle in the first movie. And, and they teased him in the second one. And they only teased him in the second one, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean... Well, they teased him again. It's a character in the book. I mean, Bill eventually goes into this, whatever they call it, like, the netherworld or whatever. Macroverse. I mean, what the fuck ever. He, he goes... He, they, 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 they kind of go there physically in his mind. And he has a conversation with the thing. I mean, and it's the most... One of the weirdest honestly dumbest but like weirdest psychedelic things i've ever read in a, in a straight the, book. they're roller skating basically in space they're literally yeah they're, he, they're sliding back and forth as he describes it it doesn't make any sense eric it doesn't make any sense at all but and that's it, why i'm glad as a person i mean sure yes i know about the space turtle but if you take someone who doesn't know anything about the book right. let's just say they only have the mini series to go with that's gonna be the stupidest fucking thing they've <laughs> ever seen and i personally think if they enjoyed the film i think 90 percent of it would have killed it for the average non okay we know he's been on cocaine for 20 years writing this thing <laughs> type of thing right. and i'm glad that they didn't include it for that reason but that would be stupider than the volcano-shaped box that they all had to put a tome into to defeat and and of course at the end it's just the same trope from every horror movie ever oh we don't believe in your power and so you die although it's like they figured that out when they were kids so why didn't he die then ah sorry i don't know some more of the weird shit as someone who again who didn't read the book i like how they were able to do the ritual of the chewed but failed so you got that fanboy service but then you'll have to do something else and yeah. then I'm okay with them not being afraid of Pennywise because that's the point. Granted, it, I, I was I was having this whole like Nightmare on Elm Street Part One vibe where she just turns her back on him type yes, of thing. Exactly. But I had more of a problem. If we're going to get into the problems, I had more of a problem with how great the scene where where um, Ben's getting buried and Beverly's drowning in the blood. And it, it, to me, it was like a love conquers all cliche. You know, he's screaming, I love you. She screams, I love you. They grab the hands. And I that was a little too cheesy for me. A little too on the nose. But... It was. And then my biggest problem, other than, I'm just going to throw it out there. The, the, the You know, as much as we praise uh, Muschietti as a director, when he threw in Angel in the Morning, when uh, I, it just, it was way too out of place for me. It didn't fit. But I'll let that slide. What I really didn't like is at the end when they got the suicide note, 
And Stan's reason for killing himself, I wanted Stan to kill himself because he was afraid, and that's it. Because he was a coward. Yes. Um, yeah, and I don't remember if that was lifted from the book either, but I remember being a little bit like... No. I remember a little bit, yeah, like, Stan being a coward is... The, it helps you be afraid as an audience member. Mm-hmm. Because Stan does overcome his fears when he's a child, and then all these years later, he can't do it again. That's There's something kind of scary about that. Mm-hmm. About... Well, he never really overcame it because he just forgot, like everyone else. Right. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah, exactly. Good point. So but he, he kills he himself as soon as he gets the phone. Yeah. Well, he's got the scene in the book. He's got the scene in the silo. I think that was Stan. Stan goes into the silo, and and in the in the miniseries, it's like a mummy walking down an abandoned yeah. house yeah. Step or whatever. The Stan. All right. But in the book, it's like a much more dramatic and a much more central scene to the novel. And, like, I don't know if King was, like, he were too many elements in the book and he was too fucked up or whatever, but he was really making Stan, like, a, like a, there's a point to it, you know what I mean? There's, like, a, he's, like, a central figure other than Bill. He's, like, the anti-Bill. Mm-hmm. Bill is brave and Stan is not. But, in, but they have this big moment where, and I think and he does, he, re, he recites the birds and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And he remembers, and so he, uh, he defeats, he defeat he overcomes his fear as a child. And then when he can as an adult, that's kind of the whole point, right? Like mm-hmm. remembering is scary. Like that's what that's what a lot of it is about. Like when you have these like these momentary memories of something awful that happened to you or when you were a kid, or something awful you did to someone else or something like yeah. that. Like, like yeah. ah, oh my God, you know what I mean? It's scary. Like, and he succumbs to that and he fucking offs himself for it. That, yeah, was a, I'm, I'm with you. It was a little weak that they kind of tried to turn it into something else. Well, that ruins the whole ending. Mm. Hmm. Right. I mean, they even joke about it in the movie when um, Mike and when Bill calls Mike and he's talking about why aren't we forgetting like we used to? And he's he's basically he's like, why is this everything working out so so well? <laughs> yeah. When the book, the ending is the one of the best parts. It's devastating. They all forget again. They forget minutes after it happens. They start forgetting. It's like, right. and then within a week, they don't even know each other anymore. And, and yeah, right. And they do that. They at least allude to that in the miniseries. Right, and I think the the stand moment that you're talking about in the book that's his only moment that that I can honestly remember. And one of the only things I agree with, if you ever read the Corey Fukunaga script, the second one, mm. the one, the second revision that he wrote right before Andy Muschietti took over this, he got rid of Stan completely. Got rid of Stan. There is no Stan because it's, it is a little crowded and it, yeah. it's like mm-hmm. they actually used him well in this movie. I like that he was a bit, the way he killed himself, um, the way it's revealed. I liked, I, I liked all that stuff, but then taking myself off the board i'm gonna write all these letters yeah come on but Um, at that point like you were saying by that but the time that happens our brains are fried mm. we're coked up and butter popcorned out or whatever i didn't give a fuck what was happening i I just i accepted everything in the end yeah i personally i didn't give i didn't really have a problem that it was a happy ending i was okay with that but what ruined it to me was the reason for the suicide that was just too sappy for me. Way too yeah. sappy. 
Yeah, he should. It should have been out of fear. Yeah, fear alone. That was fine. And um, really, to be honest, the miniseries does stand <clears throat> pretty well. The miniseries kind of gets Stan right, and and that's enough Stan. Yeah. Uh, but that interesting. I didn't know. I didn't know that uh, um, the previous writer Carrie. Uh, I can never get his last name right. So I don't want to do it, but the, I didn't know that he had written him out or whatever, but it's like, at first I'm like, you can't get rid of Stan, but now I'm thinking about it, you're right. He's crowded. Um, I was, I would probably be more okay with that than the fact that they got rid of Bill's wife and this one and her whole plot. And look, I can, I understand getting rid of that as well, but there's all, mm -hmm. we don't have the art for Bill in this, in this story that we deserve at all. It's like, Bill's just this fucking asshole. I mean, look, now in the miniseries, it's a fucking asshole too. Mm -hmm. And you and I have talked about this many times, Frenzy. But, I mean, really, in this one, it's like, who the fuck are you? You know what I mean? Like, why do we care? And it, it, you kind of need his wife to sort of like, because it brings him back to the real world and, and yada, yada. But all of this goes back to all the things that they didn't do that you really can't do. And I think that's why... The initial project for the film was taken off the table because there's no like um you know you want to talk about what are you going to do at the end instead of having the spider well you don't necessarily not have to have the spider right but we we know how it ends right dairy floods right dairy, like explodes explodes the 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 sewers explode and the whole everything floods so it's almost like I feel like that's probably what they were trying to do with the first uh, iteration of this script. I didn't read it, so I just assumed that maybe maybe I'm wrong. What's your question? That they Did got rid of. You write that in at the end. The flood. No, no, that's not in. I that's not in any of the scripts. That's crazy to me because I kind of assumed that the flood and the turtle and the more hard to explain things were why he wasn't allowed to do what he wanted to do with that first script and that's why he got fired but i just i don't know i don't know the, the details no it's because he he made it uh overly sexual for no reason uh did he have the real ritual of chewed in it no that's not in it but they had uh there's really gross stuff between this is another thing i mean there's a thousand but things to talk about it's so it's just too much to talk about well he, right but uh the fukunaga script was fukunaga. really taking the relationship between bev and her dad to the next level and um i kind of like what they did with that in this one where it showed the real like how an abusive father like that a sexually abusive father you can eat the the child still feels tenderly for him Mm -hmm. yeah. so, uh, that was really that was actually kind of compelling but anyway go ahead Fukunaga. um no so he made stan a goldfish okay uh, it's a uh, and you know um i don't even know what we were you, you guys are bringing up so many topics at the same time that's what's eric, so about it eric you were rattling off like 10 things i was like okay we got to connect this to now fuck it <laughs> but you know i'm gonna say this mm -hmm. I'm trying to focus on one thing at a time. Tim was talking okay. about Bell's arc that doesn't exist because 
and they nailed it in the miniseries, even though everyone hates it. His redemption is Audra. Okay, now another thing yeah. people don't understand mm-hmm. is Ben and Bev don't have a relationship. That's not a thing. Ben is obsessed with Bev. She doesn't give a fuck about him because she's a realistic character. He's fat. She never even thought about him. She's obsessed with Bill. And the reason she ends up with Ben, even in in the miniseries and the book, they're riding off in the sunset. In the book, she says, "I'll go. You know, I'll go with I'll go with Ben because Bev. Um, because Audra. I'll go with Ben because Audra and Bill are back together. They're in love." They've always been in love. That's what happens in the book and the miniseries. So, uh, because that's the completion of Bill's arc. So Bev's like, okay, I'll go fuck the. He's not fat anymore. I'll go. He's rich, so I'm gonna go with him. And she says in the book, we'll see what we'll see what happens. Kind of a, a graduate type of ending. Exactly. And then this, it's like they had this love affair the whole time, and they just didn't know all. The, it's not none of that's real. Mm. It's way too, and it's another thing. It's it's sugarcoating. It's so weird. This movie, the things they choose to sugarcoat for general audiences, and then the things that they don't. Yeah, totally weird. Totally kind of random. And the the two big things that, for whatever reason, they didn't want to get into. I mean, the biggest one is racism, which I guess Andy Machete is just like completely scared of that one because yeah, that's that like half, your ma- that was one of your major problems with the first one that's like half the book is that people are racist and, and he goes into the history of the town and all these characters explaining that why Bowers is a monster and yeah, and this, a racist cop and shit like, mm-hmm. no, like hey, well, his, in the book, his dad's a farmer and Mike oh, Hanlon's dad, he hates him because he was a farmer and he his dad raised him to hate black people. And they have the black spot mm-hmm. with, the uh, um, all that so like the Adrian Mellon scene was the only was the one there's like three or four really controversial, realistic, brutal scenes. But that's the point, like you guys were saying. Go ahead. But I'm saying they picked Adrian Mellon about gay people mm-hmm. and then just left out the black spot, which is about which just sets up the whole racist thing. Let me and, pop this. Had they had the time and energy, and don't forget what you were gonna say, but had they had the time and energy to add all of that other stuff in then maybe people wouldn't be as upset about the Adrian Mellon scene. That's what I was saying, because it's the one scene that tries to show how Derry is evil and it's not just the clown, like, and it's all about us. Like, Mm -hmm. because it's the one scene, people were confused. And had they had the time and, and, and money or whatever to show all that other stuff, maybe people would have got it, you know? Maybe people would have understood a little better. I was really surprised that the black spot stuff was taken out and that they um, reduced Mike's role in the first one. Well, maybe if if Muschietti's filming two new scenes, maybe one of them will be the black spot. You think so? No, it won't. I know. I mean, you should have known better after you saw the first one because that stuff was written out on purpose. Yeah. He's, he's, not, he's I got. not touching the racist stuff. And look, this is this is a nitpick. Mm-hmm. This is a nitpick. I, I disagree. This is not a nitpick. I think that, I think that the spirit okay. of the story is sort of uh, look. You can you can do very simple things to inject uh, subtext into a story, right? Like it doesn't cost money to have characters explain things to one another. You know, it doesn't. You don't have to show necessarily. Well, my think- argument. 
my argument for why it's a nitpick would is that this movie could have never been perfect anyway. The parameters at which the, the these two movies were built in, this bubble, there's only so much he could do. And uh, I mean, uh, if this was a serious art film about a clown that eats kids, <laughs> and, Ca- and Carrie Fukunaga, and Carrie Fukunaga was directing it, then I'd be I'd be actually way more upset because yeah, let's just be honest, okay? Yeah. There, there's too much to talk about. We don't have enough time. One of the most important things for some of the characters is the racism, okay? And mm-hmm. that that directly ties into Mike Hanlon and Bowers, and the two weakest characters, two to me, are those two because of this reason. They don't have. Um, Bowers is just a psycho. He's not a bully. Like the thing they nailed in the miniseries, that Bowers and his gang. I know it seems ridiculous because it's washed in this fifties nostalgia. Yeah. But they're actual bullies who are motivated by racism and the way that they're raised and things like that. Uh, I like that they changed his dad to a sheriff, but I think they dropped the ball with uh, Bowers and the motivation. Now, Bowers in part two, loved him. Loved him. Absolutely. Loved him. He was stealing all the scenes he was in. He was, I know. That actor is so over the top. Yeah, that kid is great. Wait, yeah. you're talk- I'm talking about the. I'm talking about the old one. Adult Bowers. Oh, that the, the not Albert Finney guy. Yeah. Yes. No, I don't have a problem with the kid actor. I'm saying the the way he was written. But you got, I mean, you liked him in part two. Huh? I thought that's who we were talking about. After he's oh. like totally insane, I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, but he's yeah, uh, young. Bowers is better in part two, but I'm saying I didn't like the the way he was written. Now that the older actor, who's like one floor of the cuckoo's nest, I loved all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I loved. I loved every single scene. I loved every single scene we had with Adult Bowers. He he chewed up the scenery. He wasn't too over the top. He was fun in a terrifying way. It's actually kind of scary. Yeah, he was. Like, what is it? Uh, I got gets... guy up real quick. I don't. I if as soon as I see his face, I'll probably y'all go ahead. Okay. Well, like, well, what is it? Is it? Is it uh after Eddie stabs him and he gets away and you see him walking away in, like the parking lot? Just that that evil sneer. Yeah. I think he chuckles. Oh, he points and, at him. He's like, "I'm cu- I'll be back." Yeah, that's it. And I mean, that was that. That's another nitpicking scene that that gets me. Is I liked the scene where he's attacking Eddie. I like how he's attacking Eddie and not Mike. But I thought it was a little too goofy. With the with the use of comedy, how Eddie's trying to talk with the with the switchblade in his cheek, but yeah, they made it a funny scene instead. Yeah, it, it, of, again, it should a, not have been funny. It's not and, a racially motivated thing. He's just oh, a right. You're saying it could have been. Yeah, sure, sure. But look, they made so many of the scenes funny that are supposed to be scary. You know, mm-hmm. they yeah. were, that's what they did. That's why my initial review was that I enjoyed this movie was because they, and they let you know from the very beginning, we're going all out. We're not really, look, uh, when she goes home and the whole Kirsch, Mark theme, whatever, Mrs. Kirsch, it's Mm -hmm. a disappointment that that was the trailer, in my opinion. Uh, That would have been, we would be talking about that the same way we were talking about the bleacher scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If, if if we didn't see it five times before we saw the fucking movie. So, like, 
you know, and that was like actually good. But then in the end of the scene, it's like the the crazy, terrible CG monster, and it's like is it was te- the, the terrifying scene about the Mrs. Curse scene is with the actress, the old lady, and you just see just like yeah. the the sores on her chest. As gross as it sounds, I would have rather seen real naked lady running yep. around chasing yeah. bears. Just like, like as much as you know, we rightfully yeah. shit on Kubrick's The Shining. One of the most terrifying scenes in that movie is the naked old lady in the tub. We should have had that type of scene instead of this. I, I think I would have called her a CGI titty witch running around, and it just looked horrible. Teach Grant. That's the guy you're talking about. <laughs> oh. <laughs> This guy, He's yeah, great. he was great. He was he was great. perfect. I mullet, loved him. And they made the mullet joke. That was that was that was really good. Well, it's um, are we getting there? Time's up, but we got to go a little bit longer. I got look, yeah. I mean, I'm sure we all have a little more to say. Eric, can you go to eleven? Yeah, sure. Okay, let's go to eleven. That'll be fine. Eleven. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, you know, but the scene that you're talking about, again, it, it gets washed in the CGI, but they, that is a real witch in that scene. They actually built a big puppet right, for that scene, but it's the, the, the CG okay. stuff on top of it. And you, I didn't know about that. They do these practical effects mixed with these CGI effects. Yeah. I think and it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just don't know why they have to put so much CGI on top of it when it already it looks fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't have a problem because the you know you got two alternatives. You're either going to do what's in the book, which is the apartment turns into Hansel and Gretel, and (laughs) are you serious? The house. Oh, it turns into Hansel and Gretel. It literally does. It turns into cookies and uh, things, and then she tries to put them in the oven. I totally forgot about that. Or you do something like clever and realistic and artsy, but you can't do that. You know what occurred to me later was that she was big because then you're a kid again. And that you're small again, like a child. She was about the size of a child to mm-hmm. a child. And that is kind of scary. You said something to me before, uh, Francie, when we were talking about this. Sorry to interrupt. You said something to me before when I was bitching about the way the movie is when we we're talking about part one. And I was uh, complaining about the way the movie looked and like the art direction. Like I really hate the way the house on uh, Nebel looks. Yeah. Because it sucks ass. So I hate it. But you were telling you, you made a, a good point that it's like this sort of, it's, it's, it's like your memory. It's like a, it's a children's sort of version of like mm-hmm. reality. This like twisted version of reality that like, that the we're seeing like how they remember it almost yeah that's what i said until the second one came out (laughs) (laughs) and then it's exactly the same but okay maybe he is he just couldn't do that or something you know they had the set they had to use it again i don't know hate it um but look that's but at least you got it i figured it out eventually no, I mean at least you got the you got a house instead of no house. That's oh, kind of we got the, the negatives are pretty much you can put them in that category. At least you got something better yeah, than nothing. 
the house in the in the miniseries, and it was a really cool addition to this movie. Uh, this this version of the story, it was it was clutch. It really meant something to the plot, and I'm glad they did House on Nebel. Uh It's just unfortunate the way the movie looks. It's, but like I said, second time around, going for more laughs and more sort of really not even laughs, but like gross outs and shocks and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Like that was a that was the way to go because, you know, what else are you gonna do with that? You're not gonna scare. It's you're not gonna have like subtle. Uh, interesting artistic scares with with that material. Not that that couldn't be done with it. I really believe it can be, and I swear to God, one day somebody will do it. But if you if you've already started out with the way part one looked and and the way and everything they already set up, you might as well just go all out in a second one. Yeah, that's pretty much what they did, except for just this whatever the choice in his mind purposely to leave out a thousand little things that the hardcore fans would really like normal fans wouldn't even notice and the hardcore fans would appreciate which I don't know we can we talk about that for two hours I don't understand some of the choices but Same. Um, one of the things that I think this movie kind of drops the ball and I already told Eric this when we're talking about something else, but is the nostalgia factor. This, the reason the miniseries is so much better in this regard is because nostalgia is a real thing and it's a part of who we are. And these days, um, it's so society is so against that for some reason, the, the, the PC culture and things I'm uh, people like here, for example, Stranger Things is one of the biggest things ever. People ate that up because the people that made that were unabashedly obsessed with their own childhoods. So they went they went too far with the nostalgia and and less yep. on the characters. Now with it, Andy Machete thought that he should restrain the nostalgia because he doesn't want to do a Stranger Things. But to me, it's completely inauthentic because he's so against um, uh, this movie. It has no. A Gremlins poster hanging on a wall doesn't mean you're in the 80s. Right. This this movie reeked of th- 2000s, part one and part two. There was no difference to me. There's no time difference. And uh, I just think it makes the original stand out. Take you there when they did the little and she closes the door and they got the new kids on the block uh, poster. No. no that was that. My, by the way, Eric, that was my correlation between the. Um, uh, call me angel in the morning when when the music came in during that blood scene was a lot like the scene with new kids in the first one. He's obviously got tendencies. The, the the thing is though, to me, the new kids joke worked. It was quick. Agree. You know, uh, Ben was already embarrassed that the girl he's got the hots for knows he what he listens to new kids. I thought it was quick. It was perfect. It was yeah. funny. Angel in the morning made no sense because it was during a horrific scene he had just saved his mom but it was that fucking bum looks like shit yeah he just saved his mom and then you know he's he's fighting you know i think he'd like like gouge out the eyeball or something like that and then he gets puked on which would have been just a good really disgusting moment 
But the fact they slowed it down and played that stupid fucking song, it killed it for me. It made, there's no context for it. There's no reasoning for it. I, it's bizarre. I don't get it. I it's think a last minute that, thing. They definitely did that in editing. They definitely were like, eh, why don't we just amp up the silliness here and throw this in? I don't think they were uh, intending to do that. It was, but again, with the audience being such a part of my experience, mm -hmm. they loved it. They ate it right the fuck up. I see. That's that's the difference with my experience. I was there with my wife and my buddy, and we both we all looked at each other and we were like, "What the fuck is this?" So, <laughs> it all depends, I guess. I mean, yeah, it was it was dumb as hell. There's a mm -hmm. lot of those moments, uh, yeah. Just in general, because of what you're watching. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have a problem with the the new kids thing because it was funny. I, mm -hmm. The problem with it is establishing the time period. Yeah, that all ties into my huge problem with this is that the nostalgia, the history is not authentic whatsoever. Like when they the miniseries is is there's a bigger point to it. The subtext is the golden days weren't so golden. Right. Things mm -hmm. things do not change. There are no happy endings. You don't just you're not all going to become millionaires because you moved away from town and get away with that you know mm -hmm. you gotta you gotta pay your dues and in this one there it's not the 80s it's the 2000s in both there's no subtext to it whatsoever and then this happy ending with a pro suicide it's fucking ridiculous and it's like yeah. the more that i think about it um <laughs> I, I, i'm not i'm not i don't actually get mad or anything i'm just saying another missed opportunity yeah yeah, I, but the, the reality, though, that the reality, the reason it's Stranger Things having just come out. I mean, full Finn Wolfhard or whatever, he's in the fucking movie and he's in Stranger Things, and the nostalgia factor has been turned up hardcore for so many projects lately. So you know, maybe they were just toning that back. No, but there's two different reasons. It's two different things. The the Stranger Things is candy coated nostalgia. The original it is not at all. It's um, it it has that glossy aesthetic, but they could make a point. He could he could deflate the Stranger Things thing a little bit by you right. see what I'm saying? Because that's what it's right. Darius is the character. It's supposed to be super dark, and it's really mm -hmm. the second one is not compared. The one thing the first one's a little bit better in is that Dairy is more involved. Yeah. It's well, kind of a town in the first one. In the second one, it's not really there. I feel like we got more dairy in the second one. Am I wrong? With like like we were talking about the people in the in the uh, Paul Bunyan scene in the back and they're all freeze. And that to me was a huge symbol of dairy. And then uh mm. they all because they all go their separate ways and actually explore the town a little more in this one. So. Yeah. Yeah, but it's basically there because it what you were saying about the story and how it's um, extending the break that they had, which I didn't even I've seen the first one a hundred times. I never even connected that because uh, when they get in the fight, I just thought it was the summer was over, you know. Of course you do. That's what's that was what was kind of clever about it. Yeah, but, yeah then, fan. but in this one, they're kind of there's nothing new. They're kind of retreading, and I know that's the point. But the book, the one thing about the book is that. Just when things are getting entertaining, it cuts to some random person in Derry that has nothing to do with anything. Right. There's, there's a hundred of these characters that either uh, get killed in the explosion flood at the end. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that 
that's clever about that, even though it's at first just seems like boring garbage, is that he's a, it's world building. Yeah. And to me, that's not in this. There's no people in this movie. There's not, um, uh, there's no sense of danger. Like, at least there's a, a small sense, I guess, in the first one. I, I, I don't know. Well, that's something they haven't been able to achieve in either film adaptation of it. They allude to it in the miniseries. Um, and really, when they do allude to it in the miniseries, it does kind of creep you out. Like, it does mm -hmm. kind of give you a, a fuller feeling of, like, fear about the whole story about how the adults are all a part of it, too. Everyone's complicit. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the most horrifying scenes I think of in the miniseries. Again, maybe it's because uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a father and I actually have a daughter. It's the scene where Bowers has, and his gang has Beverly cornered, and they're going to do something to her, and you got the old man just looking at him and then turns away and goes back inside. That's horrifying. And it's, that's right. that's how we all, all like experience something like that in a, in, in a way. You know what I mean? Where just people just let things happen, you know what I mean? And that, I definitely think, despite how fucked up he was the whole time when he was writing this, I think that was a theme that mm -hmm. Stephen King really did sort of keep pretty solidly, through. it was a solid thread throughout the novel, was this sort of, like, ability for humans to sort of, like, compartmentalize all these awful things in their brain. Right. And the way we compartmentalize evil and the fact that, like, you know someone who's done something terrible or you yourself have done something terrible and we all just put it behind us in a way because we have to or whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and like really how disgusting and scary that is. Like, you know what I mean? Like that was actually something that despite the ridiculous nature of the novel, that was actually successful in it. I will give him that. Oh, and yeah. no one has brought that to the screen yet. No one. The, the the first one alluded to it. The second one, whatever. I mean, we're talking. When I think of the second movie, the very first thing I think of is that fucking volcano box. Like it was an insane movie. That was crazy. Mm -hmm. like, but you know what I mean. Whatever. The second one kind of got went there a little bit. It kind of didn't, you know. But no one's no one's really got that. Well, that's right out of the book, though. And that this the smoke hole. The box. The smoke hole. There's a whole chapter on that. So they go down into the they go down into the hole and they and they do it. Yeah, they do the whole smoke ceremony down in in Ben's hole. Yeah, but he just changed. They had to change it because they didn't have they didn't even have that in the original the first movie. That the, literal, the box was a literal uh, a symbolic exchange for the kids having sex. That's what it is. And they go and they take the tokens instead of the kids having sex to find their way out of the sewer. Yeah. Oh, I'm just saying the box is in there. Oh, okay. Well, I, I'm sorry. I didn't remember the box. Well, so you know, all the, really what the fuck is this? All the stuff with like the asteroid with or or it its spaceship, whatever that's supposed to be, uh, <laughs> crashing a million years before people. That's in the movie, and uh, it's just all these insane things are in the movie, right? Already, I just like to pick his brain and ask him you know you have why the, this and not that yeah. why this and not yeah. that yeah, yeah, yeah. so random yeah it seems so random and may you know that could have been studio ship we know how much these movies are controlled who is this universal 
we know how much these movies are controlled by uh, uh, focus groups and these huge groups of producers now who may have had a lot of say in that. And it's really hard to say. Uh, it's New Line, but it's not because they're owned by some giant conglomerate. Oh, it's New Line. So Warner Brothers, isn't it? Warner oh, no, Brothers. Totally Warner Brothers. Yeah. My bad. Uh, doing the Jurassic Park stuff. And I think this the the reason this ties in with uh, the the differences between the Pennywises too, and why uh, I think that Skarsgård is is just as good as Tim Curry within the parameters that he has to work with in this in these two movies. Okay, he's he's not he doesn't just get to he he couldn't do the same thing that Tim Curry had to do. So just his right. hands are kind of tied behind his back because not only does he have to do it a different way, but he's eternalizing the uh internalizing the character as an alien and yeah. not just a boogeyman. And played it like there was a creature underneath the makeup. And he he doesn't have that much. The only interaction he has with people is when he's about to kill them. He's like, you know what I mean? Totally. He 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 really did a good job of playing it as if it was. Uh, he wasn't just putting on an act as a clown. He was putting on an act as someone who can even speak as a human being. And yeah. they did that really well at the first one, where it's like he trails off in his eye, just like mm -hmm. like slowly drifts away. Yeah, I like stuff like that. Yeah, that was good. Uh, should we do final thoughts or whatever? It's almost eleven. Yeah. Well, one last thing I wanted I wanted to say is because uh, I was telling Frenzy to to psych up for this. Um, one night I watched the, one weekend I watched the miniseries, and then because me and him were were texting that night, and of course, <laughs> what was it? I think the the funniest part of our conversation was uh, I was telling you about I was watching the miniseries, and then. You're like, ooh, I'm hungry for some Chinese food. So I sent you a picture of the little chicken fetus or whatever that came out of the came out of the cookie. But um, I watched the miniseries and I watched chapter chapter one right before chapter two, and I liked that there is some nods to the miniseries. We get the "Kiss Me, Fat Boy" line, which is one of my favorite lines in the miniseries. Um, I like how young Ben is in this movie that was a cool little cameo in the beginning mm -hmm. i miss this i love that kid he's such a good actor in the miniseries i met what did it where, where was he he was he, it was it was uh whose scene was it it's, it's, it's he's blatantly on on screen you can easily tell oh, i'm such he's, an asshole for missing that he's ben's assistant at the architect firm that's right he's given the presentation he yeah, has he's a got really a, long close-up. I literally yeah. was like just he's the, got the goatee and he's got like the horseshoe bald hair going and tell myself. That's so sad. Because I noticed that the uh wife, Eddie's wife, was the same actress that he, that played the month. There were all sorts of payoffs in this that I caught. And I can't believe I, I, I missed that one. That's I love yeah, that. One last thing before we do final right, that's mini series. That kid is a great actor. Anyway, go yeah. ahead. Yep. And uh, one last thing is, uh, I, I will just throw it out there for, for, for fan service. I love Stephen King's cameo. He was fucking yeah. fun. He was hilarious. He poked fun at himself because he told Bill how he didn't want his autograph because he hated the ending of his book. And a lot of people criticized King for his endings. So that was kind of fun, a little tongue in cheek. And I just love how I love how he charges Bill like 300 bucks for the bike. And he says, you can afford it. <laughs> 
<laughs> He's yeah. making fun of himself. And he says it again just to rub it in. Yeah. Those um, good. Those was, I just wanted to say that the, 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 the two cameos were, were yeah, fun. One, one was cool nostalgia seeing Ben and then King was just a lot of fun in this one. Yep. Yep. They haven't done that in so long where King does a cameo in one of his movies. I think like somebody at, at work, I think the last one he was in was depending on which one came out last was either Storm of the Century or Rose Red. That's the last one I can think of. Did he what's his cameo in Rose Red? And Rose Red came later, by the way. Pizza uh, he was a pizza, guy. pizza delivery guy. Oh god, fucking who cares? His cameo <laughs> and, and 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 Storm is fantastic. Yeah. He's the preacher or whatever on the TV. I love that. He also does, he's a priest in Pet Cemetery. That, that was always a classic, oh, where's King going to be? Mm -hmm. Because we knew that these stories were King stories. They're, they're King stories, and they're special in that way. And the audience is supposed to come at it that way. And what Warner Brothers is doing instead is turning this into, they're trying to make it like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> or, I'm serious. They're trying to... They're trying to change. They're trying to turn it into like I, I know they're not going to do a bunch of sequels, but they're really trying to make it something it isn't, and mm. that's, that's obviously the problem here. Well, the people we are the monsters, so it's kind of meta that way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just to point out to that, um, oh I yeah, I already forgot. I was yeah. going to say something. <laughs> no, 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 no. About the about the cameo, Stephen King just totally ripped off Stan Lee with that. Oh, come and, on. Anyway, come on. Well, well, King's been doing these cameos way before Stan Lee. So yeah, really. no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're a funny guy. Let me get my wrap up here. Sure. Because I, I, I want to talk for two more hours, but we can't. Yeah, no shit. Let me do my wrap up after yours so we can end with Eric. Okay. Well, he just did his... Uh, oh, going, sorry, Eric. I thought we were going to talk more. No, no that's no. fine. We there were was, out of time. There's, much, there's really not much more for me to say. Is like I said, I love. I think this is my favorite of the two, just based on the creativity alone. Um, just like in Nebold Street, I love how you know when another thing we didn't mention a cool idea was uh, when Ben's cut was starting to come open on his belly, and then it turned into like a message from Pennywise instead. Um, all I the love I really Bill Skarsgård, like I said, Kruger, I thought sure. I thought he brought it more in this one. He was more creepy, especially with that bleacher scene. Um, we didn't really talk too much about the performances, but I thought, you know, Bill Hader was great. You oh, know, yeah, I've only right, seen right. I've only seen Hader in comedy, and I thought he he did a great job when he had to be dramatic, especially at the end. Um, everyone brought it. Um, I just, I had a lot of fun. It did not feel like it was almost three hours to me. I didn't think there was any lag. Um, yeah, I, if, if we're comparing just chapter one and two, I put this above chapter one. Definitely way more fun to watch. I would just say going down a short list of things. Um, I'm disappointed that this whole movie is focused mostly on Eddie and Richie for some reason. I think that Bill is not Bill. I like the I like McAvoy as an actor, but especially the kid is not Bill. He's not a writer. There's no evidence of that. He's right. just some asshole kid who turns into an asshole adult. The running gag is really good, 
but mm-hmm. that's not that's not my bill and uh the older ben is not my ben um they uh i think uh john ritter knocked out of the park like somehow mm-hmm. um he was really obsessed with the book that's that helped a lot yeah he's really great and he nails that um i mean as an actor yeah as much as you can do with that um uh, as far as everyone else, I'm a little disappointed that uh, Mike. They, I, I, I was expecting a totally different kind of drug uh, thing mm. uh, of being a junkie into tapping into this weirder stuff, but it's really just this one and done thing. He gets them high, and then they have a vision. Yeah, uh, just little things like that. And the biggest thing for me, uh, aside from there's no nostalgia or sense of history with this. The music is, there is no music. Like the first one has this, um, the best, the the part one, whatever, no matter what you say about it, the theme is amazing. It has Mm -hmm. this beautiful, sad, scary theme. And then this just has nothing. Uh, Yep. Um, But aside from that, I loved it. I mean, this is just. (laughs) (laughs) No, dude, I've got a million more things to say. You know, like, what were you doing with the silver bicycle? Why didn't you just hey, say... Well, that's Bill, too. That's a whole echo of how Bill Denbro is not a character in either, really, of these movies. And, yeah. And, and, and how, you know, really, honestly, he's not as fleshed out as he should be in the in the book, either. But you, there's a lot more to pick it. That's why uh, Audra, is that her name? That's why mm-hmm. so important, and why... Um, with the original Carrie uh, Pukunga, I he should have leaving out other characters rather than Audra. I can see that because Audra really is Bill's ultimate. When they the, the ending means a lot to the story of it. It's actually something that you can return to and look at again. Uh, King goes into this poetic, uh, sort of idiotic, weird uh, thing about the wheel of time. Mm-hmm. And look, when I read it, I was like, I'm still fried by the book. Like, what does this mean? But I think about it a lot. And like, actually, it kind of, it makes more sense to me when I, when I kind of, you know what I mean, go back. And that is all sort of just like in any story uh, uh, embodied by the main character in the end. And the, this obviously, this story doesn't do that. It goes off the rails. It never quite comes back. Um, it's fun where we go with it but it never really comes back in a in a way that really makes sense you need a main character to do that and you're absolutely right like bill doesn't bill's arc doesn't exist at all like it just doesn't really exist. i don't think he understood uh, that's the thing people really hate it's exactly the same in the miniseries as the book they really hate that ending after the, the spider dairy floods and see like that's what's so weird to me like they they could have done that I, I don't tell me that Warner Brothers doesn't have the money to have downtown Derry get destroyed by a flood. Yeah, but that's not a happy ending. A happy ending? The the book has a happy yeah. ending enough. They all live. It's just that they forget again. Yeah. And the thing is, though, you can have Derry flood because they all leave anyways, including Mike. Mike goes to Florida. They're all gone. Well, Derry's gone. Yeah, and the book, the sheriff is on to them the whole time. They try to talk to him. He's like, Get the fuck out of my face with this clown shit. And then he thinks they're doing it. He's He thinks they're the ones killing people. And then at the end, he blows up on the toilet. 
holy fucking shit. I totally <laughs> forgot about that element. And oh, what- no. No, no. He doesn't blow. Some random person blows up on the toilet. The ceiling collapses on him. <laughs> but so the case closed. There, there's a cop after them the whole time. They actually involve law enforcement. Involved. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Anyway, that brings me to like my whole thing about this, which is this is not my favorite film adaptation of it. There are two. Uh, I wished, I was hoping that after this second one, that it would be because they were going to involve a lot more of the stranger, more psychedelic element mm-hmm. of the book into the films. They didn't do that, um, but they did give me a lot of fun, entertaining, crazy bullshit that I'm definitely going to return through, re- return to throughout the years. Like I'm never going to like stop, especially because of Bill Sarsgaard and really mm-hmm. because of the rest of the cast. Like, especially in part two, like how perfect they were. Like, I'm going to always watch these movies. I, I love the silly, crazy it story. I like that it's like, I like that it's Stephen King's Lord of the Rings. It's his world building project. Um, but no one's really done it yet. That's a fact. No one's really done it the way it needs to be done. This wasn't Stanley Kubrick's it. You know what I'm saying? Like, this yeah. wasn't Steven Spielberg's it. This wasn't uh, uh, Terrence Malick's It. That's not what this iteration was. And so um, I think when I see it again, I will understand more about what you're talking about. When you're talking about like holding your mother's hand while she dies, it's like, okay, we've done Machete's It. Mm-hmm. And on, on top of that, just a final point on top of that, because you said it really well. This is not, obviously, I'm biased going into this anyway because of how much I love the miniseries. Yeah. But, but I can step back out of my own bullshit yeah. and really give it a fair assessment. And the, what this is, and, and maybe terms Eric and our listeners, this to me is a Halloween 4 yep. adaptation. Mm-hmm. This isn't 5. Oh. It could have been a 5 so easily. <laughs> this was, yeah. if any other director had taken this project it would have been Halloween five, but we got a Halloween four and that's pretty fucking good. You know, it's, yeah. it's close, but no cigar. No cigar. You know what I mean? And a million people are going to disagree with us That's because okay. the only comments I see online are good or bad. This is the main comment I see good or bad. Whatever you think about chapter two, it's still 10 times better than the miniseries, which is this cheesy, old, stupid, corny, because, and you can play the scene over when I say this, she says, why does he hate? Why is he so mean? <laughs> why is he so mean? <laughs> and look, yeah, you know, it's it's got its own problems, but the fact of the matter is they really do a better job of displaying the really just the horror of being a person who ages and who remembers and, and who has been alive and who and has been around, we've all been around people and everyone is, we're all, you know, we're all guilty. Yeah. I think the miniseries really taps into that a little bit. Well, uh, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say this. When I revisited it, I enjoyed it a lot more this time. Yeah. This, yeah. With this recent viewing. I enjoyed the miniseries a lot more. I, really I don't think it was as bad as people give it credit for. Everyone just focuses on the stupid fucking spider. And I can talk know, about that for another hour. I would rather watch that spider scene. You know, Frenzy knows my hatred for this scene. I'd rather watch that spider scene a hundred times than seeing Pennywise turn into that fucking dog when he breaks Henry Bowers out of the <laughs> asylum. Okay, that's a bad one. 
I love how stupid it is. <laughs> I love the guard. Yeah, Coons. All right, all right. No, that's his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool reference. We get it. Coons is the worst. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you really leave? No, no. Oh, you made a man now. Uh, this is the. I still haven't read Dreamcatcher, but this is this is next, Alex. Okay. This. Look at this. How could it take this long to write a story about people that just shit blood and then aliens come and no, dude, destroy I... the woods? Hold on. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, there it is. Alex gave me this, Eric. Alex gave me the years ago to read and I still haven't done it. That's my Wally. <laughs> no, I'm never going to do it. What? Oh, Wally. Oh, you motherfucker. It's the hard yep. one. That one's even bigger. Yep, that's the one I got. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, the next one, I, I I was going to read The Stand next. Yeah. But you, you know what? I should read Dreamcatcher because there's some connections to it. Yeah, it's, it's in the universe. Yep. Don't worry, I'll edit the awkward shit out of this. I didn't think there was one awkward moment. I love talking <laughs> to guys. Well, really? If we're, if, we're, if we're all showing off everything, yes, I'll just show yeah. off. If it, it might not even. Woo, baby! <laughs> oh, I didn't realize we were talking to a super fan. He has them all. Everything. You son of a bitch! Are those all hardbacks? Everything is a hardback except for Cycle the Werewolf, obviously. That's okay. Um, my <laughs> Green Mile is—you can't really see it in the. No, 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 do it again. My Green Mile is paperback, but it's all collected. But it's green. One. I like that. I love. And that. the only other ones that are paperback are Gunslinger, Drawing of the Three. Well, let's see, the first four Dark Towers. And everything else is hardback. Wow. I mean, I didn't realize. I didn't realize. Oh, shit. Like, uh, Fritzy, you didn't tell me we were talking to a serious kinghead here. I didn't have enough time to tell you. <laughs> but <laughs> he, he said, said, I mean, I'll take some no personal attacks. And I was like, how are we going to talk? That's fine. We're not going to that why shit. Would I be, why would I be talking to this guy in the first place? <laughs> he's not just some random dude so so as you read them right like you should be documenting this eric like like you should be talking about them like as you read them are you doing that i i did have one youtube video a long time ago i talked about how i read all the bachman books yeah and i said my favorite was thinner followed by the regulators thinner is so good the regulators is just so bad shit insane and then i said how carrie was great I said Salem's Lot was a bit overrated to me. Um, I love The Shining. There's only like one part of The Shining which you can just throw away, and that's just when he's reading the history of the hotel because a lot of that's just filler. Mm. And then when I finally got to the stand, I'm like, this is going to take me forever. It took me over a year to read. And that was the first time I ever read it. And I'm like, I understand why a lot of this fucking book was cut. <laughs> like Frenzy says with it, a lot of it is just parliamentary procedure. I don't give a shit who's doing what on Wednesdays, who's doing what on Thursdays. Um, 
but yeah and then i've kind of fell off track for a little for a little bit but now i got <laughs> all, right. Coming. all right i don't want to i don't want to talk anymore king likes the minutiae because when you when you compare the minutiae i'm sorry when you when you compare the minutiae to the scary parts though that's kind of that's where the train hits you out of nowhere though so mm-hmm. sometimes you do need that i mean he look he's definitely <laughs> He's definitely a hack in his own in his own right, but I mean the dude gets mm-hmm. for a reason. Yeah. Well, I would never say the opposite. I've told him many times that they're when he's good, he's good, and there's nuggets of genius in the book. Yeah. Yeah. And so far, reading them in order, my favorite Bachman book would probably be Thinner, and my favorite King book. I guess if you count Night Shift, that's probably my favorite. But that's a bunch of short stories. But my favorite so far, from beginning to end, has been The Dead Zone. Whoa. Absolutely I love the dead zone. And we'll have to do this again. I sent Eric um, the whole yeah, series. Because it's the scariest, by the way. And I and I that's I my opinion is your average Chud opinion, which is that Pet Cemetery is the scariest one. And I really enjoyed that one. So I think you're well, well, Pet Cemetery is my favorite King book. I've read that one three times yeah. before I've done this whole publication yep. challenge thing sorry as you were saying i'm done talking no no i'm done too i just wanted to say Thank i think you. guys this is really fun we got to wrap it up i'm gonna let it, um eric because it's his show you wrap us all up uh, but i have a one quick suggestion maybe let's sure. get back together for dr sleep okay that'll give us plenty if you it's up to y'all I think a Dr. Sleep review would be really fun because it's basically just um, every iconic shot of The Shining crammed shoehorned into this. <laughs> oh, come on. You're too hard on you're too hard on people, Princey. No, you saw the trailer? Oh, I was ecstatic when I saw the trailer. And I, I know. thought that you did. If this looked remotely good, I would be disappointed. But the fact that they're clearly just like hacking them to pieces is like. Well, I was just wondering what what does Stephen King think? Because he hates the Kubrick Shining, and this is just like like a direct sequel. Visually, I think I think King's just like Kubrick's dead. Fuck him. Who cares? (laughs) You're right. You're totally right. Well, that's why we're gonna. I can't wait for the remake of The Shining when that happens. Smoke a cigarette. I love you guys. Good to meet you, Eric. Okay. Yeah, it was fun, man. Thanks, Tim. Bye, guys. Take care, bud. All right, Eric. Do your thing. All right. We'll close it off. I will say thank you guys for watching. It was fun having Tim. He he, he did add a lot to it. Um, uh, thank you to all of our new subscribers. Um, I know we got one, one new one on Spotify. Um, you can find me. Um, on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube at Hey Internet Eric here. Just Google that. Um, I am on Twitter at movies underscore beer 365. You can find uh, our Twitter, the Two Bearded Losers, at the number two underscore beard underscore losers. Um, any type of interaction, requests, thoughts, negative, positive, we will answer them all. Um, and Frenzy, when you're not trying to get the hashtag not my bill uh, going on Twitter, where can we find you? Um, I'm on Instagram at Frenzy Poo. Look for me there. All right. 
And with that, I will say this is fun. Um, me and Frenzy have been talking off camera about what we've got planned um, the next couple of episodes. And I will say with episode 10, we've got a delicious one for you. We were going to do it a little while ago, but I th think it's perfect for being episode 10, if, if you ask me. Oh, just say it. Please, just okay. tell them. Just tell them. All right. All right. You probably have never heard of it, um, unless you're me or Frenzy. Uh, we're doing Hamburger, the motion picture. Yes! Finally. And with that, we will bid you adieu. Not my bill. Ha <laughs> ha!